Hello friends, you are listening to Worst Show Ever. I'm your host CJ Boyd. I'm here with Amanda Lee. Hey. We are at her apartment in Crown Heights, Brooklyn. We played a show here last night, which, which Amanda hosted. It was really awesome. It was really awesome. It was really, really good. Yeah. Um, Amanda and I have known each other for a long time. Um, met in Cleveland. Yep. Where she lived for a long time. We grew up. Yep. Um, and definitely booked my first good show and my last good show in Cleveland. Aww. I don't mean last forever. I just mean the most recent one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, this is an unusual episode in one respect, not just because you're unusual. I'm a little bit. You yeah. are a little bit in the in the best possible way. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So this is an unusual show because I've heard this story before. Oh, right. And usually, I like to just say, "Don't tell me the story. I'll find out when we're recording," because that's fun for me, and it kind of. It's like that's the improvisational element that I really like. It's like, okay, I don't have prepared questions. I just have to listen to what you have to say and then figure it out. Um, in this case, it's different because we talked about this, uh, how long ago? Like a year ago or something? It must have been at least a year ago, if yeah. not longer. And when I was coming up with the idea for this show, it was one of those things in the back of my head of like, oh... That was real shitty. I wonder if Amanda would want to <laughs> talk, talk to that, talk to me about that on this podcast. So you had to think about it a little bit, but yeah. if you wanted to share it necessarily. Yeah, definitely. It's just, um, not that it was like a question of whether or not to share it. It's just like what kind of, like how to share it the yeah. best and yeah. how to have the most impact with, with sharing it. And that, that will probably become more clear to the listener if we just probably get into it. So yeah. tell... And this isn't so much a show, but, but well, I'll let you tell it. So tell me about your worst show ever. <laughs> I mean, it almost, it is a worst show ever because it was just one show that ended a whole tour. But <laughs> okay. the beginning of the story is that I have a friend, um, I'm going to call him M, that I had known for a really long time through experimental music, like free jazz, that kind of stuff in the, in the Rust Belt Midwest scene. Um... And he'd always sort of like hit on me, but I was always dating somebody or sort of dodged his advances. And then when I broke up with somebody, he was like really trying to trying to get it. And I, we had a really good conversation about how what he did made me uncomfortable and how it's not cool to uh, harass women via text message, that kind of thing. And it was really nice because I thought that this was a person that was smart enough to change their behavior based on a conversation that you have, which is honestly pretty rare, I feel like. Right. You know, even when somebody does hear you out, they end up not changing their behavior and end up having to not be friends with them at all. Right. So out of this, um, this whole situation actually became this idea of we should collaborate on some music sort of based on the, the problems that happen with unwanted sexual advances or just not really being into somebody um that kind of thing do you feel like going into the actual content of like what led up to that conversation um it was basically just like harassing text messages and drunk late night text messages about wanting me to come out to where he was living and stay with him and 
you know... He didn't live in Cleveland. Right, he didn't live in and, Cleveland. So it uh, wasn't like harassing me in person or at shows but, and stuff. Oh, I don't mean like that. I just mean, but like, you were this pretty distant person and he was like, you should come here, you should... Yeah, like even and, offering to like buy me a plane ticket and right. like... It was almost always like a drunk text and then an apology the next morning. Okay. So it was definitely a like, hey, let's talk about this because you obviously don't want to be doing this. You're doing it when you're drunk. Right. And then you're apologizing it. So like, you know, it was dumb. Right. If you're going to apologize for it for the next day, you have some awareness, at least in your sober Right. That it was state, a shitty thing to was, do. Yeah. Or that it, even if you don't think it was a shitty thing to do, that it might like get you in trouble or something. Or maybe, right. Maybe. That's a. I feel like that's probably going to be a distinction we come back to. <laughs> yeah, this definitely ended up being a distinction. Yeah. But I was really excited about this idea of collaborating. Um, I do found sound collage. And so what we did for a collaboration was um, he watched porn, and like a whole bunch of it, and sent me stuff that he watched. And then anything that I liked that he would like watched, I sampled for part of our collaboration. Okay. So we came up with this band that was based on like porn sounds juxtaposed with like sounds of war, gunshots, violence, that kind of thing. Okay. Um it's like a lot of my the stuff that I do is juxtapositions like that. I should probably have said uh because the vast majority of folks on this show are musicians in a fairly like straightforward way yeah. and like you do more performance art yeah i do i do more performance art but the sound and i don't even really consider the sound that is part of my performance art music necessarily because right, right. i don't like it standing on its own and we've talked about this and i just realized i hadn't i didn't necessarily give any indication of that right for folks listening so but yeah it's more of a it was more of a performance piece it had um video elements that went with it too but i wasn't doing any body dance performance with this right thing which you usually do which i usually do with everything that i've done but i did all the video for it and i did all of the found sound collage and then m played live instrumentation over it yeah and it ended up being really cool what Um, does he play a bunch of different woodwind stuff okay yeah um so it was a really cool idea uh it was really fun like talking about it and then we planned a little tour he was living on the West Coast at the time, and he was going to fly um, into Chicago, and we were going to meet up there and then go down to this festival in West Virginia. And I was really excited because I'd never played... I'd been going to this festival for a long time, but I'd never played it before, so I was really excited. Cool. Over how much time were these, like, drunk texts? Like, was it, uh, was a, it like, spread out over months, a year, Probably years, about like... a year. Okay. If I had to think about it. And you'd known him for a long time. Yeah. And it was like, after you broke up with someone... That he was like... And he was hey. like, oh, you're available. And then yeah. and then it got... It went from being like, sometimes flirty friend to now like a over-the-top, like right. harassing kind of... Yeah. Beyond flirtation. Like, he was flirty sometimes before that? Not... I mean, not really? No, not really. It okay. was more like as soon as realized I was available. Um, so it went from like totally platonic as far as you're concerned to all of a sudden this guy is like like oh she's majorly single. on your jock yeah all the time which like ended up happening way more like a lot i had been dating somebody for like two and a half years and it was yeah. definitely like a lot of people were like oh hey you're single now and i was right. like oh, okay um which is like it was good and bad in a lot of ways but yeah that part was like uh, unwanted and you know when it happens a couple times you kind of try to humor somebody 
to a certain extent, you're like, oh, okay, yeah, like, well, don't do that again. If you're apologizing the next day, like, oh, you were drunk, that sucks. I don't really believe in the, like, oh, you did this thing when you were drunk, so it's okay. Right. Or, like, whatever. Right. But, I, you know, I'll give somebody a pass a couple times if it doesn't, like, physically hurt me or some, you know, my friend or whatever. We're talking about someone who's not hearing. Like, you've you've already been clear about this and they're just not listening right. to you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that was, I don't know, that was over, I guess, probably a year, but, like, okay. on and off. and A year between when... When I broke up with... You broke with, with someone and when you started just talking up, about yeah, doing like, this project? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then how much time would you say between... I think start we talking started about... talking about the project in March of 2016. Okay. And then ish, March, April. And then we went on tour in July. Okay. So we'd been planning on it and working on it like long distance and sending each other tracks back and forth. Yeah. Which was like a lot of fun and really cool. And to be honest, a bunch of my friends at the time were like you shouldn't go on tour with this person they have you know like this these feelings about you and you know i was like no we've talked about it and the literal point of this tour is to like talk about those feelings with other people or Mm -hmm. like have this artistic rendition of the way it feels to be have somebody coming on to you when you're not into it and or maybe even for him the feeling of being rejected i think it was the idea was for me in my head was to be cathartic for both of us. Yeah. To be something that was a like way for us to move forward as friends while addressing this like issue that we had without just like ignoring it forever. Right. Which I thought was really cool and I think you know you and I have talked a lot about call out culture as a you know I if there's ever a chance and there's any hope of it happening I would so much rather try to communicate with somebody about a thing that they did that was fucked up and hopefully have them change their mind or their actions as opposed to just kicking them out of your scene forever out of your life forever right i sometimes you have to kick somebody out of your life frequently that ends up being the case unfortunately (laughs) right but i would so much rather try to change somebody's mind if i have the energy than because otherwise they're just going to go on and do it to somebody else. Exactly, right. Usually somebody who's younger and more vulnerable or right. and just more vulnerable in general. And we've and I'm I'm sort of like mentioning these things that you and I have talked about lots but just so that it's part of the conversation yeah. for someone hearing it for the first time like part of that is that of course if you are the victim of harassment or assault or anything shitty that like it's not your job to change that person's right. mind. No, not at all. But the way that the rest of us in that scene, in that community, whatever, if we simply attempt to ostracize that person, then we've just passed them along to someone else. Yeah. And or like, sometimes you create a worse person right. who feels more hurt and more separated and isolated, which makes them more dangerous. Right. And, you know, I understand if somebody is hurt or assaulted by somebody and wants them to not be around them ever again, I totally support yeah. kicking them out of your community running them out of town on a rail they yeah. say sometimes <laughs> yeah but if if there's ever a chance you know like philly has a group called like men philly men can stop rape which i think is so cool it's like a group right. for men to go to who have been like violent domestically abusive anything like that and work on 
those behaviors and go to a class or a group every week the same way that you would if you were an alcoholic right. or That's an awesome. recovering narcotics. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, and even my old therapist in Cleveland used to run a support group for men who were not victims of domestic violence but perpetrators of domestic violence right. because you don't really realize how much those people need to be kept in check every week too. Yeah. It's a crowd problem and it is also part of the patriarchy. Yeah. It's that, you know, men think that they were they are owed sex or that they have to be dominant or they have to be tough or whatever. And unlearning that behavior takes it's not just something that happens in one apology in one conversation. Right, right. It's something that takes going to a group all the time and sucks that those groups don't exist everywhere. Though fundamentally a person has to be willing to acknowledge yeah. this thing to even stand a chance of changing, right? And that's yeah. that's I, I've found myself now really distinguishing in a major way between men who are shitty in some way because of conditioning and they really don't want to be. Right. And they're at least committed to to changing. Yeah. And I don't always believe that person can change, but I have but I at least have some hope if they yeah. if I believe them. Like if I can believe that there the desire is there mm-hmm. and the willingness to to try to take responsibility for their actions, yeah. then I feel like that's something where at least I can hope a little bit. Whereas yeah. so many, obviously there's so many men who are, they just have no respect for women and show show that in their actions. And then they don't think there's a problem. Right. They just, they're just like, ugh, you're just being a bitch. And so like, yeah, <laughs> the problem whatever. is you won't fuck me like (laughs) if they don't if they don't actually see what's wrong with their behavior in the first place yeah then there's no chance whatsoever and then a support group's not gonna help and then there's like whole other problems too where if somebody is an alcoholic or addicted to drugs or whatever and they only act shitty when they're drinking right you know that's a problem it's like okay you know somebody's got to try to get sober and that's a thing you have to decide to do for yourself as well right you can only you can go to rehab and have interventions or whatever but that doesn't work until you know like they say you gotta admit the problem the first step not that I believe in the whole 12 step thing but but I think that one's pretty solid yeah (laughs) admit that you have a problem that first one is pretty crucial yeah I don't don't know what all of the 12 steps are but but part of it involves God so I'm I'm not into it but um I can't have you on my show (laughs) if you don't believe in the one true Jesus Christ um (laughs) really need this podcast though for my publicity (laughs) (laughs) it's really important for me to become famous right on the verge of blowing up and this is going to be the podcast that puts you over the edge i don't know if you heard but like women who call out shitty dudes just get like lots of really positive attention like i've heard nothing but book deals for christine blazy ford right exactly yeah definitely not death threats to her and her children and husband right anything like that Super cool! Yay, patriarchy. So <laughs> well, we got we got off on a couple tangents there, but I want to make sure we get back to your story. Yeah, yeah. So it was a couple months before we had the we hatched the idea, worked on it. I felt really positive about working on it. Um, and was like getting sober or was working more or was doing something to you know sort of keep himself in check. Um, that he was getting sober. I think so. Okay. I'm not really positive, but I think that was the goal. Um. 
but in the in the time of working on the project, he had stopped harassing me. And, okay, that's that was one of the things I was just making. Yeah. I thought so, but I wanted to be clear on that. And when we were talking about going on tour, it was very much like, hey, we're gonna be in a car together. We're gonna be this festival was like a camping festival, but we're gonna have separate tents. We're gonna have like, you know, all of our friends around. It's gonna be, you know, I very clearly was like, I don't want to have sex with you. You know, like, clearly, because that's literally what the, the whole words. Thing. Yeah, but like, just I always put it in a text somewhere when I'm like having a conversation with somebody about that might be a vacation or which happened to me recently or anything like that. Where you know, if there there's an opportunity that somebody might want to have sex, just put it out there ahead of time that I'm not into it. Yeah. So that it's out there, and I've already said it, and it's, like, a thing. Yeah. So, I've done that, besides the whole project being about Yeah. not... I'm just... And I'm not... Obviously, this is... I realize this is your life, and this is just what you do, but I'm just thinking, like, that's so fucked that you feel like you have to make a record of, <laughs> of the thing that you said. <laughs> and it's, it's just... It's, it just sucks. Yeah. yeah. No, it totally does, and it's not like I'm making a record so that I could, like, use it in court someday, but it's, like, you know, just to be extra clear that I'm not trying to, like, play games, I'm not trying to be, like... Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to be the oh she led me on or oh she is such a tease or oh she was just no, using I know, me. But, but the fact that you and I, I mean, we're we've talked about this. We're on the same page about yeah. this. Is just like, wouldn't it be amazing if like instead of you needing to explicitly say I don't want to have sex with right. you, it was just not presumed until right. you said, hey, I think you're really cute. I'd right. like to make out with you. you yeah. Know? That it'd be a different world to live in. Like, it would be, yeah. yeah, a much better world for everybody involved. Yeah. A lot of people still don't feel that way or realize that, and it's not something that's taught in almost any school or health class or whatever. Right. So yeah. that would be something that I, you know, would be really cool to work on if it wasn't so personal to me. I have some friends that are like radical sex educators, and I think that's a really respectable, yeah. awesome job. Yeah. But I, I don't think I could do it myself. I, I have to do it, I guess. Yeah. I'll do it for you. Okay. Okay. You gotta do double hard. Okay. You fight police brutality. Yeah. And I'll. And I'll no, fight. I'm working on Im- immigrant justice, right. but You're police brutality, it's yeah. in there. They yeah. go together, unfortunately. Okay. Okay. Um, I just mean you could work on the thing I'm the most afraid of oh, okay. killing me, and I can work on the thing that's most likely. Oh to yeah, be your, yeah. Okay. Death, we but, can do that for sure. Okay. Yeah, awesome. I think that we were talking about this. The well, distribution of labor has yeah. to be. We were talking about it in a cultural way of just like in general that it's like it's awesome that you're doing stuff on immigration reform but, and yeah, trading and, off things that yeah, trigger you. Yeah, not doing the thing that is too close to home. Yeah. But I was thinking now more, more of like a pact between you and me. We yeah, could... <laughs> definitely. We'll switch off okay. terrifying awesome. things that we want to deal with. I like this. Okay. Um, so yeah, we we started the tour in Chicago. Um, drove down to this festival in West Virginia. Festival was so awesome. It was uh, camping and a lot of friends. It rained like crazy and was really scary for a second, but it made it kind of fun and an adventure. Scary um, like lightning or? No, scary like flooding. We oh, were in a okay. valley. Oh, right. Um, and it was like, yeah, the water rose up really high and everybody's tents were flooded. And <laughs> okay. Every day to move up to higher ground and everybody was muddy, but then the sun came out and it was fine. But 
Yeah. It was it was a scary morning with like lots of wet gear and people. Yeah. Um, I don't think anybody lost anything and super important. To, oh, you know what? Somebody lost. Somebody's car got flooded. Oh damn. Yeah, but. Wait. Aside they, that, they lost their car to the flood. It or? the the car got like fl- like it got flooded to like a couple inches into the car and I oh, think damn. it fucked up their engine. But yeah. I don't know what ended up happening. If it, it was, like, okay or not. But anyway, a super fun festival. Um, everything was going good so far. We were driving. We were talking. I had my separate tent. Nobody was being creepy. Nobody was trying to, like, harass me. Everybody was, you know, out having fun all day, all night. There was music until, like, 2 a.m. And then everybody stayed up all night talking. I don't think I slept all weekend. It was, like, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday thing. Or maybe even until Monday. Um, it's a Memorial Day weekend. Okay. So I guess it was not July. It was May. <laughs> it's like the same. Time. It was the summer. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, we played the festival. It was really cool. Got a lot of awesome feedback. We played in the last day. Um, we drove up to Chicago and um, played at DIY Space there. Um, it was one of the best shows I've ever had, like, Really good turnout, lots of friends. Everybody else who played was amazing. Um, and again, still just like really cool, good vibes. Was really into it. Um, and after Chicago, we played in Detroit. Drove to Detroit just fine. Um, and was driving and uh, they had rented the car. Um, yeah, played in Detroit. Had another great show in Detroit. Um, feeling really good about everything. Feeling like fuck everybody who said that this was going to go badly this is going awesome and you know this is the one situation in which talking to somebody and doing this like artistic outreach is good um i had some like faith in the healing power of art and music and yeah it's feeling awesome um and i think that's why it made everything so much worse is because you feel it felt so awesome yeah. so driving from detroit to cleveland just a couple hours um M said something about like still wanting to have sex with me and also we were gonna stop in a place where I had a romantic partner and M said something about how if I was going to have sex with that person it was going to make him totally insane and he couldn't deal with that and you know I couldn't stay with that person and I had to stay with him and that kind of thing and it was like no wait can I ask did did the him talking about wanting to have sex with you come up in that context or was like which yeah. which came up first was it like yeah by the way I still really wish that we were fucking it's really dumb that you don't want to fuck me like was it I think it was it came up first as like if we the show was going to be in Buffalo where I had a romantic partner and um he was like yeah if you have sex with this person in Buffalo, it's going to, you know, make me really uncomfortable totally. and because I really still want to be having sex with you. Okay. Um, so they sort of came up so that way. So it was sort of like, if I hear, just make sure I get this right, that like, the issue is the jealousy. And right. then because you're talking about the jealousy, he was saying, I guess, obviously I'm still into you. Right. It wasn't like asking you if you've changed your mind. Like, he knew that you did not want to have sex with him. Yeah. He was just saying, I know that you're not into it, but I still want it. Right. And so, therefore, it will be very difficult for me to deal with the fact that you're sleeping with It wasn't with even else. like it would be very difficult. It was like, you can't. 
Like, I right. can't, I can't yeah. do this. And clearly I'm not defending the guy. Or, no. or I'm just making sure I understand it. So, yeah. So, he's saying, like, that would drive me insane. Right. Therefore, no. Yeah. I'm, as as the driver of the rental car, right. I'm putting the kibosh on that plane. Yeah. And out. it was, yeah. And he had paid for, I can't remember. I think I sent him money for the car, but I was trying to think about it. And I'm pretty sure that, like, he had paid for the car and he had, like, all this money from working this extra job in um, in the city or whatever. But so I was in the car and it was sort of like when you're having an awkward conversation in the car with somebody, especially for me, when I get triggered, afraid, I don't know exactly what word I want to use. I just sort of shut down. Totally. And I didn't know what to say and I didn't want to get in a fight that would leave me in the middle of the road in... Yeah somewhere between Michigan and Cleveland, um, right. which I guess would have been Toledo, which isn't terrible, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> there's worse places, but there's... Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to get me and my gear dropped off on the side of the road, which, you know, I didn't know was an option, but again, this was, like, after a bunch of really good days, there was this, this like, big, you know, what could have turned into a really big fight. And we were just an hour away from Cleveland, and so it was like, okay... I'm going to deal with this after we play the show because somebody that I really care about had set the show up. We were on the bill. Everybody was expecting us to play. Yeah. My expectations for myself as an artist and, like, whatever trumps my... I just put it in the back of my head. I was like, you know what? Let's just table this until I play the show. Right. Wait, can I ask a question about yeah. that? Um, this is a weird... I don't know if I... It's a strange question, maybe, but so the the very premise of the project is a certain kind of antagonism. Yeah. Right, and that's and and like in some kinds of music or art, that would be a problem. But it seems like in this case, it's like very intentional and like yeah, that's what you're going for is yeah. like an understanding that he is sort of expressing his like what he wants, and you're just like you're each expressing your side of it mm. congruently to like to make the conflict the conflict is the point yeah right and so it's not surprising to you at this point that he still feels the way he feels but it is surprising that he's like now telling you what you can and can't do right and gonna control my sex life right i'm not having which is bullshit and as part of the antagonistic just to mention as an aside for people who are thinking about doing this or not is it was the first piece that I made where I started putting trigger warnings at the beginning of my videos. Okay. And I had like a a minute gap between like putting up a trigger warning and the projector to like letting people leave and you know because yeah. I've I have seen shows even recently where somebody was using aggressive sex noises or like a screaming woman from like a Halloween thing that yeah. will be triggering to some people. Yeah, so totally. yeah, the video did have it had the video had sex in it, and the video had sex sound, and the music had sex sounds in it. So and war, which is triggering to other people. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I put put a trigger. But so the question I was trying to get to, which is, um, I don't know if again it, it may not admit of an easy answer, but knowing that this antagonism is at the center of the project, when he starts telling you how strongly he feels about all this stuff and trying to control you did it like I could see one perspective where having that kind of issue with somebody you're playing with could totally ruin your ability to play with them mm -hmm. but then I could also imagine in this case where like 
you could channel that more since it's about the antagonism. Does that make sense? Yeah, I it didn't. Well, because everything was going so well and all these shows were so awesome, and I was feeling like just it was really honestly like elated. Like it was everything was so cool. Yeah. It was just like. You know, before the worst show ever, I had some of the best shows ever. Right. <laughs> um, and I'm relatively, you know, I've been booking shows for over a decade now and over 13 years now. And I've only been playing or performing music for two or three years. Right. So every experience is new. It's exciting. So yeah. It's like I've been booking and watching people play in these like small circles for so long that yeah. getting to share stuff with people that I've known for so long is really cool and interesting yeah. and fun. So yeah, I was super stoked. And when this conversation happened, it didn't, I knew it was going to fuck things up in our, in our tour and our like next shows and our relationship, but I wasn't ready to talk about it yet. Um, right. But because, I mean, but I mean as far as how it was going to affect the performance. Yeah. Did you have thoughts about this is going to be shitty? Honestly, for the I just put it. I just put it so far out of my that mind. That wasn't. That right wasn't away. really the thing you were. Yeah, about. I was. I was totally. just immediately was just like, you know what? Like, unfortunately, my sense of denial is really strong. Okay. Like my ability to to deny situations just to get through. Sure, but also I can understand, like logistically, this is going to be a problem, and then what it means artistically is not of. Not necessarily of the most important, but I yeah. just I just had the weird thought of like, I wonder if you're like, uh, now I don't want to play with you, or uh, now I want to play with you, but I'm gonna like destroy you in this set or something. I mean, yeah, I mean, it would have been cool if part the end of my set was me just like beating the shit out of him or something. But <laughs> that wasn't next time. That didn't. Yeah, seriously, that didn't come up in my head. Yeah, at the time it was just like play the show. And honestly, what I did is when we got to the venue, drinks in Cleveland are really cheap because it's a, you know, cheap city. I kind of just started drinking and it was like, you know what? I'm just going to get a little tipsy and forget about all this. I'm going to have a fun time because I'm in my hometown. I haven't been back here for a while. Friends are here to see this project that I'm really proud of so far. I just want to make it work. Yeah. And we played in Cleveland and it was an okay show. I don't really know how Em was feeling about our conversation. And honestly, like, we had started having the conversation and I just cut it off and was like, we can't talk about this until after we get, to, like, we were like an hour away from where we were going. Yeah. And we were gonna go right to the show. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, it was just like, okay, we have to wait and see how we feel after the show. So we played in Cleveland, it was really great. M is like a, a fancy cocktail person and I have a friend in Cleveland who is a fancy cocktail maker and the show ended relatively early at like 11 um, and so we had time to go to fancy cocktail bar and we went to my friend's fancy cocktail bar and I was already a little tipsy I drank some more you know everybody was like free drinks because it's my friend's bar yeah. um, and I went for a second outside to talk to my friend who owns the bar and was really upset about the whole situation with M. I was crying. I was, you know, crying on my friend's shoulder, just like this whole situation sucks. And I was really excited about it. And my friend who owns the bar was being really sportive and awesome. And I don't really, I guess we were gone for a little while, probably like half an hour, just like sitting on this patio area, everybody else was inside drinking. But like, it wasn't just me and Em that went to the bar, it was a couple other people from the show. 
So there's a lot of us there. And when we came back, when me and my friend who owns the bar came back inside, Em was just being really cold and just, like, really, like, totally, like, cut off from everything. And we were going back to stay at a friend's house in Cleveland. So we went back and... um, I passed out on a couch and, and passed out on a different couch and um, it was really late, it's probably like three or four at that point. And I pa- like I passed out immediately, it was just like totally out. Um, it was a long day, mentally exhausting, drinking, blah. Um, yeah. And I woke up the next day and two am standing in my face at like eight o'clock in the morning when I was, like, hungover and exhausted and it was early and I was just like, what is happening to me right now? And... Say standing in your face? Like, standing like over Like, standing you? over me. Yeah. yeah. Which, yeah. you know, freaked me out. Yeah. And I was like, you had sex with a guy at the bar last night, didn't you? And I was like, I did what now? Like, what do you mean? He's like, this whole tour has just been a thing for you to go have sex with whoever you want. And you're a big, like, called me a whore and called me a um, uh, nymphomaniac, which was hilarious because if I was a nymphomaniac, <laughs> I would have been having sex with him. This is, <laughs> this is, this is an inside joke with a friend of mine. Where when I, it's just this like thing that we made up about dudes saying that fucking slut she won't fuck me yeah <laughs> it's just like it makes no it makes no sense. sense if I was a but, huge slut whore nymphomaniac yeah. I mean I don't know I like the I'm fine with the word word slut for you yeah. know somebody who wants to have sex with lots of people that's yeah. fine yeah uh, I like having sex with people it's awesome but to call you a slut as an insult when you will not have sex with right when I will not and, and a... because he was also like insinuating that the whole reason that I wanted to go on tour as like and my whole reason for being an artist or a musician was to have sex with as many men as possible right right which is crazy because it's not like I had sex with anybody the whole the whole tour it was right. like I literally got myself a one person tent for the outdoor festival because nobody could weasel their way in to right. sleep with me. It's like, right. had my own space, made sure I had my own spaces for everything else, made sure all of our sleeping arrangements were so that we didn't ever like have to share a bed or a right. space or whatever. But just, and I know you already kind of said this, but just to emphasize it, if you did want to fuck somebody <laughs> in every single city that you went to, yeah. who gives a shit? That's something you can do. Yeah. And... No dickhead gets to tell you you can't no. do that. Like, so what? Right. I mean, I don't think there's any. I mean, it's ridiculous on many, many levels. One, you clearly are not trying to have sex with everybody on this tour. Right. But if you were, it's none of his fucking business. Right. <laughs> it doesn't matter. And he doesn't get to pout about it and say, you took. That you're a terrible person because you because he thought you had sex with somebody right. in Cleveland, right? <laughs> Which you know, I'm just saying. I know you're 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 pointing out that in fact you didn't, right? And so he was being ridiculous. And I'm just saying, as you, I know you well know. Also, it's your hometown. If you did have some sweetheart in Cleveland yeah. that you wanted to fuck, then you should do that. It's just and it's <laughs> just ridiculous too because like somebody just insisting that they know something about you is just really annoying too yeah. or somebody just being like you did this thing and being like well there's nothing I can say to convince you I can say no I didn't and then you're just going to keep thinking that I did so it doesn't matter anyway 
Right, but I feel like this, it's frust- I get that it's frustrating, partly because I don't know if this was part of your thought at the time, mm-hmm. but I would be like, if I had, so the fuck what? Right. I mean, none I didn't, of, none but of it doesn't, business. but it shouldn't be like, it's like someone accusing you of having black friends. It's like, <laughs> like, like you hung out with some black dude last night. Like, well, I, I didn't last night, but what the fuck is wrong with you for even right. saying that in the first place? Like, yes. as if it's an insult, as if it's a problem. Like, right. It's not off. like I was on tour with my monogamous boyfriend and yeah. like cheating on him in every exactly. city that we went to. Right. Which I would still be in favor of personally, <laughs> but that's not what you were right. doing. Neither of us are super big in monogamy, <laughs> but yeah. Um, this is not what I was doing. And at 8 a.m., hungover and tired and already upset from the night before having this conversation. Right. It was just like, I physically shut down, you know? I just became inanimate. I sat down and was like, you should go. And at that time, I he tried to sort of back out of what he was saying so that we could continue tour so that he could continue being around me. Yeah. Um, and I was like, no, you have to leave. I'm going to get my stuff out of the car and you're going to go. I don't care where you go. And, you know, we had two more shows planned for Buffalo and for Brooklyn. Um, and I just couldn't think of what to do at the time. I was like, okay, it's eight o'clock in the morning. You just go. I'm going to figure out what the fuck to do. Bleh. Um Like, at that point, he's... I mean, he had already started to do this earlier, like, the, the night before. But at yeah. that point, he was just so blatantly, like, clearly not changed. Yeah. Where, like, this little child came out of him. And then... And so at that point, you're like, okay, I thought... I thought you had thought this through and come out on some other side and, and that we could do this thing but yeah. I, I was wrong and so this doesn't work anymore right yeah which just totally it was honestly I didn't realize how much it devastated me right it really fucked up kind of the rest of my summer for that year yeah um I ended up thank god I was in Cleveland where you know I know people and where I'm from um because I ended up calling my parents and my mom picked me up and I like went to their house and like got my head together I ended up taking a bus to Buffalo and playing the show by myself and because I had booked the show in Buffalo he had booked the show in Brooklyn so I was like you just play the show in Brooklyn by yourself and that'll be how we end this um the whole time that I was heading to Buffalo and um, even heading to Brooklyn, he was like, I'm so sorry about everything. Forget about everything I said. You know, I'll pick you up. I'll come get you. We can still play in Buffalo. It's totally fine. You can sleep with your sweetheart in in Buffalo. You know, you can do whatever. All of this stuff that was just like, oh my God, dude, it's too late. Yeah. Once somebody calls you a whore, you know? Yeah. As you can't really, I can't really get that out of my head. There's there's certain things that like I can forgive from somebody if I really right. think that they're like trying to apologize, but there was no excuse. It's not like, and and I don't think that being drunk is an excuse, but it's not like. But in this he case, was he wasn't even drunk. Right. It was just. It was just it an was, emotional outburst, and there was yeah. no way I was gonna risk being in a car for the three or four hour ride right. between Buffalo and then the eight hour ride from Buffalo to New York. Because it takes yeah. about that long to get yeah. 
and then never mind getting into the city, whatever the traffic is. There's no way that I was going to be lost in the middle of New York with somebody who now I don't trust and is now... He didn't do anything physically threatening, but because of my past history with people who were upset at me and people who I have said no to hurting me, I didn't want to be in any kind of space with somebody who couldn't accept my my no and was trying to police my sexuality. I mean, that's the kind of thing that even outside of sexual assault or anything like that heavy, that's just something about tour that is... Like, if you go on tour, you sort of accept it, but it is scary. Like, sometimes you're you're in situations where you don't have that much control, and then you you just kind of have to, like hope that the people around you have your best intentions right and knowing full well that sometimes they won't right and just like hoping that doesn't happen too often yeah like that's already a part of touring and then you add to that being in a car with somebody somebody that you're actually touring with where it's not your car right and they're in control and it was just two of us it's not like there was a third person or like anybody else that would have stopped yeah any interaction i mean that kind of thing i think even outside of it the specific um, sort of sexual threat that that poses yeah. is already. I think a lot of a lot of guys would also be like, "That's something you know would be would not be stoked to be like on tour with somebody who they now understood was like subject to fits of rage and yeah, totally unpredictable. You know, just anger right. out of nowhere that you didn't see yeah. coming. But but then add to that like this guy. St- the whole thing started off with him not listening to you, right? And, and not respecting you and yeah. and then like you thought you got past it and then it turns out like all this time it's just it's just been bubbling under the surface right yeah fuck yeah I'm really good at at the time just sort of powering through things to get to where I need to be right. and I yeah I got to Buffalo I got to Buffalo hungover and played in Buffalo and was just like felt so just gross like I wanted to take like a hundred showers or just like peel yeah. my skin off did you talk about what had just happened at the show in Buffalo? No. Um, so we sort of just, I, again, neither, but I didn't know what to do. I don't, I didn't know what, what M was doing. I think that in Buffalo it was just like, oh yeah, uh, M couldn't make it to this. So it's just going to be me playing solo, Okay. which, you know, I had the video in the sound collage, so it's still a pretty like pertinent piece by itself. Um, or like still like just it's, it can stand alone without having a second person playing. So played in Buffalo and then it was really a bummer because I was really looking forward to playing with some of the people that were booked in Brooklyn. Um, but I think for that show, it was just, I think that M said, oh, Amanda's sick or she can't come out or whatever. Or she got stuck somewhere. Yeah. Can I ask? So, I mean, I'm just curious, like for on your end, was it just like, I don't want to deal with this. I don't want to talk about it right now. Or were you... I don't know how else to say it, but, like, were you covering for him? Um, I think I just didn't want to deal with it. There's a certain aspect to covering for people, and I think, unfortunately, I was just talking to some some women artist friends last night, is calling somebody out can frequently just hurt your own career or your own credibility. Yeah. It can be seen as drama but also at the time I was just not emotionally ready to tell anything about I just hadn't really processed anything that happened it happened and then I you know 
gotten a bus and played another show. Right. You know, so I wasn't. But like this fellow that was in Buffalo, Mm -hmm. you assume got to talk to him. Yeah, yeah. I talked to I talked to my the person I was in a relationship with in Buffalo about it, and they knew what was going on, and they don't even want to play shows with this person anymore, and that kind of thing. But. That was really. I I talked to close friends about it. I talked to you about yeah, it. Yeah. But honestly, it really did fuck me up because it was it was pretty soon after I had moved to Brooklyn, and so I was like excited to be coming into my own more as like an artist and having more ideas, more like things I wanted to do for myself as opposed to booking shows, and having this like bad reaction along with like some other bad times on tinder in brooklyn uh it just really like really fucked up my sexuality it fucked up my like ability to trust people especially to trust men and made me kind of not go out for a lot of the summer um was kind of like reclusive and just like closed off to a lot of people and a lot of experiences because of this like bad bad thing that happened with tor um and you know it's something that eventually got over one of the things that's been the most irritating about it though um because at this point i'm kind of like fuck it that's a thing that happened i learned not to do that i learned not to trust that person and to trust maybe not to trust anybody that sends you unsolicited dick pics right that's a good i think that's a good policy good rule of thumb i was i thought you were gonna go wider and i was still gonna be into it if you're just like don't trust men and i'd be like yeah that's fair (laughs) but especially a lot of times like don't trust men but i have a i have a list of trustworthy men in my head you're talking about the list the folks who the designated survivor list from the menpocalypse (laughs) that's right i am i am the feminist who wants to kill all men I'm the guy who would be gladly help you. (laughs) So, So, much later, very recently, um, M had... Well, at the time that this happened, M had eventually texted me, like, I'm sorry, don't hate me, whatever. And I was like, I don't have the energy to process this right now. Whatever. Later. I'll talk to you later. Yeah. Like, deal with this later. But, like... Pretty soon after all the things, or, or like yeah, that? like the week because they stayed in M stayed in Brooklyn for like a week afterwards and was like trying to hang out and like talk about stuff and I was like right. no, just, no. Yeah, fuck <laughs> you off. can you can do whatever you want but um, I am going to not I'm going to avoid seeing you and he was uh, he was still trying to get me to play the show in Brooklyn and stuff and I was like right. I don't want to see you period yeah. I don't care what the circumstances are and you're right I did think about the antagonism. Of like, okay, this is this project was based on being antagonistic. Um, maybe that will add something. Like maybe I could go play the show in Brooklyn. But at that point, my brain was so just honestly traumatized that it was like, yeah, I can't. Right. I gotta hide. Totally. I gotta hide my room and go to. And and even when I asked that, I I thought, okay, it's a weird question, partly because you're playing with fire a little bit, right? Like even the original idea of it, it was like hoping to find this sweet spot of like antagonism and mutual respect yeah where it's like okay we have antagonistic feelings yeah but there is a mutual understanding and respect mm-hmm. and then now that had gone away yeah and just in general i think actual full-blown antagonism it's not it's not somebody you want to work with if you, if you no. like if you really dislike the person or if they really treat you like garbage yeah that's that's probably not a good 
it's not a good experience to then put yourself like subject yourself to that mentally um, yeah. no and maybe if my life had been different at the time and i hadn't had these like bad experiences with men in brooklyn or if i didn't have any sexual harassment history or like assault history in my past it might have been different sure um but because i did my sense of trauma kicked back in and was like yeah i almost not to disagree with you but i feel like that's the kind of thing where to even qualify it it's like if you were one of very, very few women with a history of sexual trauma, <laughs> right. then sure, then you could, then maybe you could chalk it up to like you being in a bad place at the time or something. But given that that's kind of the norm, yeah. given that, I mean, I know far more women who have, to, if you, especially if you're including like sexual harassment, like yeah. how many women have not been sexually harassed? Like, None. Legit, Liars. You know what I mean? Like women who, are alive women who haven't noticed maybe like yeah. honestly, like I know some women who are just kind of oblivious to certain things and it's conditioned, you know, it's yeah. just like, I know I have a small handful of women who, who are, it's sort of like they don't see sexism or whatever, right. you know? And like, it's happening yeah <laughs> like, it's still happening you can, to you you cannot see it and... that had, i used to work with somebody like that who i later realized was was saying these things to me because she was going through a hard time in her relationship and, right. but she had said something like oh it was during the women's march and yeah. she was like i don't understand why these women are marching i work really hard and i make as much money as men and i and i was right. like well it's about more than that and she was like well i do jujitsu so i don't have to worry about getting sexually assaulted and i was like that's not how it works that's not how that works and good for you but like there are maybe all these in other certain situations hopefully that yeah. helps yeah that's great but but the idea i mean that internalized misogyny where you then are like going to defend the men against the accusations because i don't know that that idea that that where you still think women should just shut up about it well her whole thing was definitely like i am so much better than all of these women who are crybabies about how they're not getting what they want it's like "Mm, you're not though you just maybe don't recognize the things that happened to you or maybe you're really lucky but there are women out there who have been assaulted and who aren't making as much money and who don't have maternity even just really basic legal stuff like maternity leave and whatever um workplace harassment laws right not to mention that like if you are a woman in an industry and getting paid the same as a man that's happening because women marched, because right. women fought, because women like put their bodies on the line and made that happen. That didn't yeah. just happen. Right. And so and to, that's how you get to, to vote. Right. <laughs> like on every level, right? And yeah. so then to be mad about it now, why? Because we've now reached utopia and yeah. everything's perfect. Right. No, it's and not. And it was hilarious because we were working in a coffee shop where both of us got harassed by men every yeah. day. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Or yeah, and she was a like a big fan of dancing in clubs and stuff and she had like had her ass grabbed and stuff but didn't see that as a like systematic problem well and i will say this isn't exactly a defense of her but in a way that i can like try to sympathize with her is that that is also a survival that's yeah no mechanism, that's right i didn't and, ever like call her out on it or anything well and then I sometimes like, i've not realized that there's been yeah. times when i'm like mad at somebody and no, like sometimes you other do people it. friends of mine who are like people of color who are acting like racism doesn't exist and shit and i've realized that it's like um oh, i can't think of his name but the guy on boondocks who like hates black people the uncle ruckus yeah uncle ruckus yeah that whole you know steven from django unchained or like 
that approach is a survival mechanism. Mm-hmm. Like For sure. being the subordinate, you know, loyal house slave is a way of like ensuring your survival. You can be the cool black friend. Yeah. You could be you could let all your like white dudes call you like homie and be right. like I'm the cool black friend. And there's teaches. some there's like the hope, and even if this doesn't actually work out for you, but the hope is that there's some privilege in that, and right. that, or that there's some way of surviving yeah. in that, and that so that when your white friends are going around shitting on black folks, you can be like, well, they're just, it's not me. Yeah, they're not talking exactly. And yeah. It's the same thing when with women who are like, oh, I'm only friends with men because women are so dramatic. It's like you're only friends with men so that you, when you hear them talk about how shitty all these like hoes are or whatever you know you can pretend like they're not talking about you and you can say yeah all these hoes are so shitty right and it's like i understand it i know i i've gotten to a place where i don't call people out i i honestly felt more pity for her i was like you know not to be condescending but i was like you've probably gone through something that is really terrible and you don't want to talk about it and it turns out at the time that she was having a really bad relationship like crisis and was like oh it's probably a way to defend against it is to say like I don't need to do that because if I think about it then it's the same way my mom doesn't like to talk about how I have mental health issues right Cause if, just if I have mental health issues then she has mental health issues and it might be her fault or something I don't know so just ignore it and it goes away yeah lots yeah. of ignoring it and that's a whole other problem with our culture right but that was way off on a tangent or right something. I think I interrupt or I I took us off on a um Tangents are good. Yeah, what you were talking about... Oh, I was just talking about how I liked... I do like antagonistic art. I like art that that confronts things, that confronts people. If it's safe for me, I'm into confronting people who are racist or who are sexist or any other-ist, homophobic, transphobic. Um, I'm into trying to change people's minds, um, but I'm also just into art that is about pain or in, like antagonism like Rina Bravambich is one of my heroes she's a performance artist who tied herself up blindfolded herself and let people come into a gallery and with a bunch of objects ranging from markers to a loaded gun and do whatever they want to her and just to see what people would do I'm really into that as an idea yeah which is it's not safe that's not safe at all but right it's a really interesting piece if I was in a better place or the world was in a better place right. with sexism right. and harassment it would have been interesting to collaborate with somebody who was actively antagonizing you but since that was not the case I did not and then just a couple months ago so it's been over a year now M sent me a really short text that was like oh hey I'm really sorry if I hurt your feelings I'm getting better now uh, you know I know we're not going to be friends but I'm sorry. And it was like, I think I said, okay, dude, I, you know, I don't have the energy to deal with you. Like, we're not going to be friends, but I'm also not going to expend the emotional energy to hate you, you know? Right. It's not worth my time. It's how I feel about a lot of people who hurt me is like, I'm just not worth the time and energy to hold that hate. Right. And that doesn't mean I didn't deal with it in my own way, but it's not worth the, the energy. But then I found out that M sent another good friend of mine who is like a much more popular musician who may or may not have even heard what went on with us because I wasn't very specific with very many people other than that. I think what I said to most people was like, it didn't work out and right. we played our last two shows separately. Uh, he M sent this message to 
my more popular musically friend that was and male friend that was way long and about like please don't judge me based on what happened with me and Amanda please don't like think any differently of me you know I hope that you still want to play shows with me I hope that I can still see you or stay with you when I'm in town etc 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 and so it was really obvious to me that like I got this little paragraph baby's apology that wasn't even really an apology it was almost a like I don't know if you've seen the, like, I'm sorry you chose to make me hurt you. It's like a meme. Okay. It was like... I haven't seen this one. It's just stupid. It's like... It was almost like a, I'm sorry you chose to upset me kind of apology. Yeah. Sorry um, you're a slut. Right. That wouldn't fuck me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope that, you know... It was... What it comes down to, and this has happened to me with a couple other people who have been shitty to me in the past, is that now that, like, hashtag me too is a thing, and... There are all these other women coming forward with their stories about everybody ranging from Bill Cosby to a close friend or whatever. Dudes are scared. Right. Which is great, but this also... This is the thing... Oh, sorry. I interrupted you. Oh, it's just like... Um, and there are people who are apologizing, but they're not apologizing so that they can heal or they're, the people that they're apologizing to can heal. They're apologizing so that they have a future in making music and right. they don't have to deal with getting called out right and this is something you brought up before i was saying i, I knew we'd probably be returning to is the difference between not wanting to get in trouble for something yeah and actually being sorry that right. you did it yeah there's a whole other genre of this apology that okay. i just experienced recently in a different situation okay um where i called somebody out for some shitty behavior that they were they had and when you say call out, you mean privately? Yeah, yeah, private. Yeah, I, pri- I privately told somebody that something that they did hurt me. Yeah, and they felt really bad and they apologized. Yeah, and I, th- I felt a sincere apology. But then after I was like, I accept your apology. I forgive you. We're cool. I don't know how close we're gonna be in the future, but you know, we're cool. This person then kept reaching out to me to try to make themselves feel better. Like they were like, Oh my god, are we not friends anymore? Are we not gonna be cool? Like. I feel really terrible. I feel so bad. I feel so terrible. Like, this saying that you feel bad over and over and over again to the point where you almost make somebody want to redact what they say Mm. or say, oh, it's not as bad as all that. You know, don't even worry about it. Just forget about it because I don't want you to be that upset. And that's a very, I think, a very female feminine trait is to say, like, oh, my God, this thing that I did is hurting somebody so bad. And it is gaslighting. It's like... yeah. Oh, now I have to apologize. It's actually even more manipulative than gaslighting in a way. It's like, because you're not saying that... I'm not just telling you that your feelings are invalid, but I'm getting you to say it. Right. I mean, it's fucked up. Yeah, it sucks. (laughs) Although, I see what you're saying. People also do this a lot where... Where someone someone says, Oh, fuck, I did this thing, I'm sorry. And we we like, oh, it's fine. Like, yeah, it's... And there are certain things that are fine, you know, and I've definitely, people have like freaked out about doing something that didn't even cross my mind as bad, which is great for, you know, if if you're that conscious about it, but to just sort of for a while be like, I need to talk to you again because I need to know that we're cool and I need to know that like you still like me and that, you know, or that you're not going to say anything to anybody else. And there was, I think 
during that conversation, totally separate than my original story, but during that conversation, I mentioned that I brought it up to a a mutual friend and they were like, did you tell anybody else? It's like, what is, what is the real problem here? Well, then, then they're, they're covering their ass or they're trying to get a sense of what, what's out there that they should be aware of. Yeah. And then every interaction we've had since then has been like, oh, this bad thing happened. I guess this is just a terrible month. You know, I guess this is just the worst month of my life. I guess I should just kill myself. I guess it's just, you know, not like, like for real, not for real kill okay. yourself. But, but like, like, were they saying that? Yeah. Um, you know, just don't apologize to somebody if you don't mean it. And just don't, if you, if you do apologize to somebody, and you do mean it. Don't try to make them feel bad about their feelings. But I mean, I'm just thinking this through though. Really, again, it goes back to this issue of like people who actually give a fuck about you or people who just like don't want to get in trouble yeah and so you can say like hey don't do this thing but really if it's the person that just actually doesn't give a fuck anyway they're gonna do the thing they're doing in order not to hopefully not get in trouble or to minimize the the repercussions i think it's really on us or on, on like everyone else to understand that that's what they're doing. Yeah. Because I don't expect them to change, I guess is, what, is all I'm saying. Like, this is something that constantly annoys me about this sort of, like, just barely left of center sort of liberal media when they're criticizing Trump or any of the Republicans that are doing racist, like, or homophobic, transphobic mm-hmm. shit, where they'll point something out that's really, really obvious and then be like, this racist attack just happened. There's two black folks who just got executed in a grocery store a couple days ago. Trump hasn't said anything about it. Like, of course he's not saying anything about it. He doesn't give a fuck. No, he's stoked. But can we just... But can we, as the left, move beyond pointing out... I'm not saying that no one should point it out, but at this point, it should just be like tally marks. It should just be so that later when we put his head in a guillotine we can be like here's the 500 million things he did that were garbage but it's not they're not surprising individually no one anytime now someone says like trump hit a new low i'm like come on is there lower than like the lowest thing possible we're just digging laterally at the bottom yeah we're just exploring the bottom yeah it's uh it, yeah. It's going on terrible changes. <laughs> yeah. Amanda, thanks so much for sharing your story. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah, appreciate the opportunity to share it. And I don't know, hopefully it's some like good advice for people. I think so. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe it's just a rant. This episode of Worst Show Ever was made possible by the Patreon pledges of Duana Fryman, Meg Roberts, Christina Poez, and Evan Quayberg. If you'd like to support this endeavor, please go to patreon.com.